welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I don't know if you're familiar with the Tate family. There's a Tate family. They're actually pretty prominent in a lot of churches across the country right now. Um, I'm going to describe them to you. Perhaps you've known them or maybe you've met somebody. First of all, the dad is named Dick Tate. Um, He tries to run everything in the church. Um, He's got a wife. He's married to a wife named Agitate, and she tries to stir up trouble um, wherever she goes. She has a sister named Irritate, who uh, you can guess what that means. (laughs) They have a cousin. The cousin's name is Hesitate. Anytime there's something new, they, uh, you know, suggest that they go away from that. Uh, He's got a wife named Vegetate, and she hasn't changed anything since 1962. Um, Of course, they have an uncle by the name of Devastate, who is the voice of doom whenever anything happens in the church, and he's married to Imitate, who just wants to be like everyone else. (laughs) Oh, you've met them before, haven't you? Okay. (laughs) They don't go to this church. (laughs) But, But I don't know if you know the Tate family... One of the Tate family members actually became a pastor of this church. And what he did is he got rid of the entire Tate family. You know what his name was? Amputate. (laughs) I like Amputate. (laughs) We do too. If you're a guest or you're joining us online, we want to say welcome home. We have been in a series called What's Love Got to Do With It? And in this series, we've been making a play. We've been kind of having some fun um, doing the 80s and that song by Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With It? 1984. But the reason why we're having some fun with it is because sometimes we can really um, struggle with that. And sometimes this can be a difficult thing to learn. And Tina's t- song, if you're not familiar with the, the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? It asks these questions. What's love got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Isn't it just easier to just leave it? Isn't it easier not to be in relationships with people? Because if I'm going to get hurt, I just want to stay away. But we've been saying as this series, when it comes to God's church, that's just not an option. We, we, we don't have that. And there's a key verse. It's going to be on the screen behind me. I want us to read this, church, out loud together. Third week, we should do it really strong. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is the key ingredient to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it is the one thing that will determine who are my disciples and who are not. And everyone who interacts with you will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And for the past 2,000 years of history, when God's people understood this one idea, it changed everything about their lives, about their community, about their world. And church, please understand, and I believe this with all my heart, it can happen in Yankton, South Dakota. And I believe it can happen when a group of people understand that. So church, one more time, help me out now. What's love got to do with it? That was good that you were even premature before that, and I love that you guys were. That was great, right? Love's got everything to do with it. But there's a problem, and this is what we've been talking about every single week. We are called by Jesus Christ to love people, but some people are difficult to love. Not any of you, right? You guys are all great, all right? But there's some people that are difficult to love. 
Following Jesus means we're called to love, but yet people are difficult to love. How do we walk in this tension? And again, if you've missed the series, go to our website, yankton.church. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our podcast. Listen back to these weeks because it's so important you understand. We talked about a guy week one named Peter. Peter was in the room when Jesus gave this command. He understands this command. And Peter wrote letters to the first century church, real people in real situations. And the thing we talked about with Peter is he said, if you're hurt by someone else, when we're hurt by someone else, our natural response is to hurt them back or to run away or to freeze. And Peter says, listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, that's not a choice. When you follow Jesus Christ, you're hurt by someone else, you bless them which is really hard to do. So Peter, being an amazing pastor, because this is what great pastors do, he taught his congregation a song. He tied it to a song so they would remember that. See, that's what good pastors do, right? See, I'm following Peter. And he said, listen, be sympathetic, be compassionate, and be humble. And last week, I introduced many of you to a guy named Philemon. Philemon had a friend who had hurt him, and Philemon had a pastor, and his pastor's name was Paul. And Paul wrote Philemon a letter and said, listen, I, as your pastor, have the authority to order you what to do. However, because I love you, I'm going to appeal to love. He taught Philemon, he said, listen, the people of this world, the leaders of this world, they rule over you and they use their power and they use their authority in inappropriate ways to get what they want. And Jesus gave us a command. He said, not so among you. See, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have authority, you don't use it to your own advantage. You appeal to love. You start with love. You give someone a choice, and you remember where you came from. And Paul wanted to help Philemon understand that, and we still need to understand that today. So today, before we get started, I want to say something. I just want to set the table for you today, okay? If you're in the room today or you're watching online, I'm going to say what we're going to talk about today, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, this is probably the reason you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, that's a big statement, and I'll unpack it for you understand it. But if you're in the room today, and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, what we're going to talk about today is not optional. It is a command. And why I say, if you are in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the reason why you're not is probably because you know someone, or you have someone in your life, who claims they're a follower of Jesus Christ, and they don't do this one thing. And it's very obvious that they don't. Because I talk to people all the time, story after story after story, where people say, yeah, I went to church, and this is what happened. And I always, my heart breaks. And I look at them and say, listen, if that happened to me, I probably wouldn't go to church either. But, but let me tell you something. That's not what we're supposed to do. That is not what Christ commanded us to do. So this is going to be a very difficult message, I think, for some of you. But, but here's why it is. And, and some of you have given me some great grace this series. I really appreciate that. But I know, okay, as we talk about this, I know that there's a tension. And maybe you've thought it out loud. Maybe you've said it out loud. Okay, pastor, I get it. But there is this person, okay? I have this person in my life. And pastor, what's the right word? They are really annoying, okay? They are just really annoying, I'm not talking like one time, like this is, anybody, uh, no, we won't ask for a show of hands, okay? If you don't have any annoying people in your life, come talk to me. I have a few, I'll, I'll share, okay? I promise, all right? You just have people, they're just annoying. Pastor, I have this person in my life, they're just really inconsistent. 
Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down, sometimes they're in a good mood, sometimes in a bad mood. I never know what's going to happen when they walk in the door, Pastor. They're so inconsistent. Pastor, I have someone in my life that's really inconsiderate. All they think about is themselves all the time, how it affects them. They don't even think or consider my feelings or emotions. Pastor, I have someone in my life who are really disappointing. We have an agreement. We, we, we agree to something, and sure enough, I'll get the text or I get the call. Hey, I'm not going to make it. Hey, there's always an excuse after excuse after excuse, disappointment after just. I just can't count on this person, Pastor. They're just disappointing. I have this person in my life that's just a hypocrite. Like, they are a keyboard warrior, man. As soon as something's posted online, they're right there typing their comments, and they're, they're telling everybody about it. But, but then when the tables are turned, <laughs> they don't do what they say. They do the exact opposite of what they told everyone else to do. Pastor, I have this person in my life that's just really needy. They always need them. Then they need a ride. They need $5. They never pay it back. They just Every time I see them, it's like, can I, can I, can I, can I? It's just it's exhausting. Pastor, I have somebody in my life that's really selfish. Like, it's always just about them. They never care to even ask, or I don't even know if they, they acknowledge that I exist. Why am I saying, let me just summarize this for you. What you're saying in your mind, and we all have them. Don't elbow them if they're next to you, okay? <laughs> but, but, but what we're saying is, Pastor, how do I love someone who doesn't deserve my love? Now, we don't say that out loud, because that sounds terrible to say it out loud, but that's really what we're saying. How do we love someone who is just doesn't deserve my love? Because let's unpack this. This is what the world teaches, isn't it? A relationship is a give and a take. It is a back and a forth. You will, I will. You won't, I won't. And if you do that to me, forget you. We're done. I'm moving on. But as followers of Jesus Christ, see, we don't have that option. So what do we do when people don't deserve our love. I'm so glad you asked. Got your Bibles. Go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. Now, I want to give you a little Bible. If you're going to your Bible, you don't have one, let us know. We'll get you one. version free app on any smartphone or device. Download it right now. But in the New Testament, there is John. That's the gospel of John, the narrative of Jesus. And then there's these books called 1, 2, 3 John, okay? We call them 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. But if you're looking at your Bible, we're going to 1 John chapter 4. Well, who is this John guy? If you don't know, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. The 12 guys that followed Jesus around, he was the writer of the Gospel of John. He's also the writer of these three early letters. But more than that, in Jesus' 12, there was three, Peter, John's brother James, and John, that Jesus pulled really close. There were certain moments that Jesus would share with just these three and no one else. He was one of Jesus' closest followers. But more than that, John was the guy who, when Jesus was betrayed and arrested, John stayed with Jesus. All the other disciples fled and ran away, all Jesus' followers, but John stayed there with Jesus the whole time. John was there at the foot of the cross as Jesus was dying. And so much so that Jesus, looking down in this pain and agony, saw John, and he saw his mom, and if we had more time, we could unpack this for you. But John, Jesus said to John, John, I want you to take care of my mom for me you got to understand, in Jewish culture, that was a huge sign of respect that Jesus had for John. And think about this for a second. Jesus had other brothers and sisters. And in that moment, Jesus said, I don't want any of my brothers and sisters to do anything with my mom. John, I want you to take care of her. Think about how dysfunctional that was. If you think your family's dysfunctional, okay, just know that Jesus' family was pretty dysfunctional too, all right? But, but why am I saying that? Because this is John. This is this guy. 
And the last thing you need to understand about John is when John wrote these letters. Most scholars contend, and I agree with this, that John may have been the last living disciple at this point. John lived to be an old man, even by today's standard. Especially in the first century, he might have lived to be about 100 years old. That's really ancient, especially in the first century. He outlived all the other disciples. In fact, we believe that he even outlived the Apostle Paul at this point. Why is all that important? Because when it comes to the topic of love, very few people have the authority to speak on it than John did. This guy who was so close to Jesus, who loved Jesus so much. And what John is going to do, John is going to talk about how do I love someone when they don't deserve it. And he sums it up in three very simple but very impactful verses. First John chapter 4, I'm going to be in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Not because of what they say, not because of what they do. We love other people as Jesus followers because God first loved me. Let, it put, let me put it to you in another way. This is what John's saying. John's saying, listen, sometimes I can be annoying, all right? I don't try to be, but I know that I am. If you don't think you're annoying, ask your spouse, okay? Ask your coworkers. They have a list of things you do that are annoying. Ask them. They will share it with you, okay? Sometimes I can be annoying. Sometimes I can be inconsistent. I don't want to do it, but I do. Sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I'm all over the place. John is saying sometimes I can be inconsiderate. The number one person in my life is me. Whether you choose to admit it or not, it's true. And the problem we have in our relationship is I'm not getting my way. See, if you want to get along with me, just give me what I want all the time, and then we're good, right? <laughs> we don't say that out loud, but that's how we act, right? I can be inconsiderate. I can be disappointing. I have a good reason for what I do. You have an excuse. <laughs> See the difference, right? I, I, I can give you a great reason why I act the way I do, but when you say the same thing, well, that's just an excuse. <laughs> right? We can be disappointing. I can be a hypocrite. I can talk a good game sometimes, but when I'm tired, <laughs> when I'm hungry, when I'm stressed out, I do things that I know I should not do. I can be a hypocrite. I can be needy. I'm constantly needing to get things done. And when I don't get done what I need to get done, I need other people to step in. And sometimes I can be needy. Sometimes I can be selfish. Why is all that important, John? <laughs> because God chose to love us first. He didn't wait for us to get it right. He didn't wait for us to get all our ducks in a row. He first loved us. Now, I don't know what your view of God is, but I've lived long enough to understand that there are some people who've gotten this idea that God sits in heaven with a lightning bolt, and he's just watching you, and he's just waiting for you to screw up so he can strike you down, right? I've had so many conversations with people that I hear that, and, and, and it just breaks my heart. Please understand, I wouldn't believe in that God either. That is not your heavenly father. It may have been your earthly father or another family member that made you feel that way. That is not your heavenly father. He loves you. Do you understand that he knows everything that you've ever done, good and bad? The worst thing that you could possibly imagine in your life, he was right there with you. And by the way, everything you're going to do in the future, he knows that too. And he still chooses to love you. Who does that? 
That's what my God does for you. That's what John wants you to understand. God loved me first. And then verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Now you might say, well, that sounds kind of offensive, Pastor. Trust me, it's very emphatic. I mentioned this before. The New Testament wasn't written in English, in case you're wondering, okay? It was written in Greek, and there's translations. Sometimes you see different translations of the Bible, so words matter in the Bible. You really want to dig into that and find out what those words are, and that word liar there is so emphatic, I can't even describe it. In fact, this is how I'm going to choose to describe it. I'm not trying to defend anybody, but I want you to understand what John's saying here because it's so important. John is saying, if he were here today, this is how John would say it. If you claim to love God and you hate your brother or sister, you are full of crap. Now, if that offends you, he probably would have said the other word you're thinking of, too. Don't you dare say that. Now, why is that important? Listen to the rest of verse 20. Look what John says. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they can see, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. This is so important you get it, and, and this is the part where I, I, I think I just need you to understand something so important. John is writing this letter I mentioned as one of the last living people on planet Earth who actually saw Jesus. In fact, he may have been the last person on planet Earth, and he is understanding that in his old age that when he dies, no one living or future will have had the same experience that John had. Are you with me? John was there when Judas, one of his best friends, betrayed Jesus and had him arrested for no good reason. John was there when the soldiers would pull chunks out of Jesus' beard and punch him in the face. John was there as Jesus was denied by everyone who followed him. And he heard the crowd yell, crucify him, even though he had done nothing. John was there, and this is going to get a little personal, but I, I just need you to understand what I'm talking about. John was there when the nails were driven into Jesus' arms. He heard the screams. He saw it. He smelled it. And then Jesus, as he's hanging on that cross, dying for nothing that he did, John heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Who does that? And in that moment, everything changed for John. And John said, listen, don't you dare. Don't you dare claim that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and then speak ill of another person. You are full of crap if you do that. Do you know what Jesus did? Do you understand what he did? Don't you dare claim that you love God and then go out and gossip about someone else and destroy them because you want to build a little coalition against them. How dare you? Who gives you the right to do that? You claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you would speak negatively about someone else? Who does that? And John, who was there, who saw it, who smelled it, would say, listen, understand this. And this is going to set somebody free in this room today. I guarantee it. Don't you dare speak negatively about yourself. Because God loves you no matter what. Who gives a crap what other people think? See, John would say, don't you dare watch a sunset and go, wow, how beautiful is that sunset? And then look in the mirror and go, ugh, as if God didn't make both. Don't you dare. 
say that you love God and not love your brother and sister or not love yourself. Because here's what I want you to understand. Don't miss this. John is saying, I demonstrate my faith in a God that I can't see. A God who loves me no matter what, all my faults. I demonstrate my faith in him by loving people who I can see, including myself, including all the annoying, <laughs> including all the disrespectful, including all the inconsistent, because I'm that way too. How I show my love and my following of a God who loves me is by loving those that I can see. And if that's not enough, verse 21 is the final nail <laughs> in that conversation. And Jesus has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Friends, when someone hurts me, this is what we need to understand. When someone hurts me, they're also hurting God. Because when you love God, you don't want to hurt other people. Will it still happen? Of course. But when you find it, when you realize it, when you go to somebody and say, listen, when you say that or when you do that, it really hurts me. Our response as Jesus' followers, I'm so sorry that I did that. And then we do this. We don't say anything else. <laughs> That's the hard part, isn't it? Right? I'm so sorry that I did that. Not justify, not rationalize your behavior, not tell them why they're wrong. Man, I'm sorry that I hurt you. See that? Do you see that kind of love, right? That's what that kind of love means. See, when someone hurts me, it means they're hurting God too as well. Am I more broken about their broken relationship with God or what they did to me? See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we look at that and we say, listen, this is a person who obviously doesn't get it yet. This is a person that maybe hasn't followed Jesus yet because why would you act that way if you did? And again, this is why if you don't like church, this is why you don't like church because you've had those experiences, haven't you? See, we need to be more broken about their separation from God than from us. You know what I've found, though? And, and, and I know this is heavy, so I want to lighten it for just a little bit, okay? You know what I've found? <laughs> the more people become like Jesus, the less annoying they are to be around. Did you find that, too? Did you, do you know what I find? The more people become more like Christ, the more consistent they are in their behavior. Have you found that out, too? Isn't that interesting? The more people become like Christ, the more they become like Christ, the less needy they are. The more they are about other people and about serving. Isn't that fun? And then one more thing, and I promise we're going to move on, but this is going to hurt, church, and I love you with all my heart. I really do. But maybe, just maybe, God has placed this person <laughs> that you're thinking of in your life to remind you of how that looks to him every time you hurt him. Every time you're selfish towards him, anytime you're needy, anytime you're inconsistent, that's a little reminder of what that looks like. Right, church? All right. So, John, if I could just sum it up for you. If you want to write something down, write this down. Stop loving people because they deserve it. That's what the world teaches us. You do, I do, you do, I don't. Stop loving people because they deserve it and start loving people because God first loved me. That's what John's saying right here. People are going to hurt you. People are going to be broken. Don't love them because of what they do. Love them because God first loved me. So I'm going to give you three things in this series. We've been doing this. So I'm gonna, I want you to write down these three things. If you don't write down these three things, I'm going to put down the microphone and let you come up here and preach this because obviously you got it figured out. But, but here's number one. God first loved me. The first thing that should come to your mind when someone else hurts you is God first loved me. 
all the annoying, all the inconsistent, all the inconsiderate times that I've done to God, God still chose to first love me. Here's what John says in verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I can't say it enough. God knows every wicked thought you've ever had. Not even the stuff you did. Those thoughts where you're like, oh, this person, I would, you know, he knows that. And he still chooses to love you. He knows all your failures. He still desires to have a relationship with you. So much so that he has forgiven your past and he paid the penalty himself by hanging on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. See, the fact that things really bother me about someone else means it's also a reminder that that stuff is in me too. And it can be a problem in me. God first loved me. Here's number two. What do we do when somebody is unlovable? My response shows my view of God. Again, my response shows my view of God. Our world teaches an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If you will, I will. If you won't, I'm out. But when, church, when you choose to love someone who is unlovable, you are painting a very different picture. In the same way as Jesus hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. People will look at you and go, you did what? They said this to you and you did what? And, and, and please understand, it might not be that person. That person that hurts you might not get it, but I guarantee you your coworkers are watching you. I guarantee you the people around you are looking at you going, wait a minute, you, you did what? They said what and you did what to them? And then you can look at them and say, let me tell you about my Jesus and what he's done for me. Do you see how that works? Do you see how that kind of love, if we really truly got that under kind of love, and if we truly kind of believed in that kind of love, how that changes everything? Do you get it now? That's how we paint a picture of a God we can't see by loving, annoying people we can see who don't deserve our love. Look at what John says in verse 17, or verse 12, sorry, verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. When we choose to love the unlovable, we are painting a picture of a God who is a God of love and a God of grace. Here's number three. When someone is unlovable, always remember, only love overcomes evil. Only love overcomes evil. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you might say, oh yeah, that was Martin Luther King that's Jr. that said that, which you'd be accurate. But he was quoting Jesus when he said it. In case you've missed it, church, we live in a fallen, broken world. Sinful, broken people will do mean and hurtful things. I'm sorry, that's the reality of our world. And our problem is, and this is a big problem I hear in our culture now, is I hear people say all the time, oh, he's a good person. She's a good person. Everybody look right here. Nobody's a good person. We all are sinful and selfish and broken. We all need Jesus in our lives to show that love to us. We need to stop judging people by their actions and start loving them the way God has. We all have rejected God at some point in our lives. We've all gone astray. That puts us all in the same boat. <laughs> Nobody's better than anyone else. We just got to love that. See, that's how we overcome evil. And there's evil in the world, and I'm not going to downplay that. I, I hate it. I hate it when children die because of selfish people. That angers me, and it should anger you. I, I hate it when there's discrimination. 
I hate it when people are emotionally, physically abused. I hate it, and you should too. But you know how we fight that? I got a newsflash for you. It won't be legislation that'll fight that, okay? I, I, I hate to disappoint you. It's not going to be any judge's decision or any Supreme Court decision that's going to change that. And, and I know this is going to be really radical, so, so don't pick up your rocks and throw them at me. It's not going to be who we elect as president. <laughs> that's not going to fix it. There's one way to overcome evil in this world, and it is by the love of Jesus Christ. It is when his people in his church stand up and say, that's not okay. I love you. I hate what you're doing right now. You need to quit. And I'm going to love you. And I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not going to throw stones at you. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I just wanted you to know how much I love you. And how much what you're doing is not only hurting you, it's hurting so many people around you. And I want to introduce you to a God who loves you in that way. Church, do you see how when we get that, that changes everything? What that can do in our world. Look at what John says in verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are to be what, church? Like Jesus. Sound familiar? <laughs> we say it every week. We want people to meet Jesus. We do that by being like Jesus. I just don't think we actually believe it. Because if we did, we'd have to understand what John says. And again, I want to say it one more time. The more that I love like Jesus, the more like Jesus I become. And the more I show people what the love of Jesus looks like, the more they look at me and go, I like that. I want to be like that. And then we say, let me tell you about my Jesus. See, that's how we love. And I'm saying at church, and I know... I hesitate because I love you with all my heart, but sometimes I'm telling you as your pastor, I get frustrated. I don't think you actually believe me that this curtain would completely go away and we wouldn't have enough chairs in this theater if we truly understood that idea. How we love matters. How we gossip matters. How we judge other people matters to God. And I know you're right, and I know you're justified, but you're not nearly as right and justified as Jesus was when he hung on the cross. And he still chose to love you. Did you get it, church? Do you understand that this is difficult? Do you understand why I said at the beginning of the service, this is why if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ? Because you haven't seen this lived out. I want a pastor a church that gets it. And if that offends you, then that's something you've got to deal with with God. But right now, I'm here to say I'm going to do everything I can to pastor this church that we love people the way Jesus loved people. Thank you. I got one amen. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's try that again. I want to love people the way Jesus loves people. Amen. That sounds more like a church I want to pastor. Okay. Now, I, I got one more thing, and then we're going to land the plane, I promise. But, but I, I want to make sure that I clarify before we end this, okay? Because I get it, and, and I've done this long enough. I understand how the enemy works because he always does these things. Please understand, if you're here today, if you are in a physically, emotionally, or sexually abusive relationship, you need to put up some boundaries, and you need to get yourself safe. I'm not saying you stay there and you love him. Please don't understand that. That's not what John's saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Following Jesus and loving people doesn't mean you just roll over and let them do whatever you want. You're just a doormat. That's not even biblical, okay? 
And we have to walk in that tension. And, and next week, we are going to unpack it. We're going to put a bow on this series with a pin that's so important. And you need to come back next week so we can unpack that together. And you're saying in your mind, Pastor, you're just saying that, so we'll come back next week. Everybody look right here. That's exactly why I'm saying it, okay? It's not manipulation if I tell you what I'm doing. This is so important that you don't walk out of here thinking that that's the case because that's not true, okay? We're called to love the way God does, but we need to put up boundaries. But I'm going to leave you with the words of John. You know, John, the one who was with Jesus, verse 21. And Jesus has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. John, who saw Jesus be betrayed by one of his closest friends, who watched the soldiers pull his beard out in fistfuls and punch him in the face, who watched the crowd say, crucify him, even though he did nothing wrong, who saw all the horror and all the glory of the cross, who heard it, who smelt it, who heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That John says, don't you dare say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and hate your brother or sister. If you do, you're full of crap. We don't love people because of what they do or don't do. We love people because God first loved me. We are an image of the invisible God by loving the people that we can see in the room around us. All those annoying, all those irritating, all those inconsiderate people, we continue to love them the way God loves us. So church, you got to help me out one more time. What's love got to do with it? Let's pray. Father, this is always the most difficult part because in a minute, I got to put this microphone down and I got to live out what you just said. And that's the hard part. Jesus, I thank you so much for the relationship that you had with John. I thank you that he was your faithful follower all the way to the cross, even when everyone else abandoned you. And if we're talking church girl, Jesus, you grew your church down to one, so I think that says a lot about our culture, doesn't it? God, I'm so thankful that John, in his old age, looked back and realized the legacy that he held. That he was the one that says, listen, after I go, nobody is going to remember that moment. Nobody else experienced that firsthand. I need them to understand how much you love us. God, you're not mad at us. You're not here to condemn us. You love us so very, very much. And you love us so much that you saw all of our faults and all of our flaws and you still went into that cross and you still endured that scorning at shame so you could be seated at the right hand of the Father so we could have a relationship with you. Who does that? A God who loves. God, I'm going to do something that, that might be kind of hard, but I'm going to thank you for the people in our life right now that we were thinking about throughout this message. <laughs> people that kind of prick us a little bit. Maybe they're a coworker, maybe they're a neighbor, maybe they're a sibling, maybe they're a spouse. I want to thank you for that because that is truly a gift because it is a daily constant reminder <laughs> of, oh yeah, that's how that looks. Oh yeah, that's how that feels. Oh yeah, that's how that sounds. Do I want that to be me? <laughs> and God, give us the wisdom. Give us the courage. Give us the insight. 
on how we can love that. Because again, it's easy to sit here and say amen, but then we got to go out and live that out. That's the hard part. That's where we really need to rely on you. God, I'm going to take a risk here, but I'm sensing this is following by your spirit. If there's anyone in this room or watching online who's part of our church who has to do some business with you right now and maybe they need to confess something to you, I pray that they would do that right now in Jesus' name. God, if there's a phone call that needs to be made, if there's a text that needs to be sent, if there's somebody in this room you need to go up to after this message and say, listen, I need to ask for your forgiveness, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to do that. That can be uncomfortable, but God, I'm not here to make people comfortable. I'm here to make people followers of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that means we need to get uncomfortable. God, I'm asking you, no, I'm begging you, that we would be a church, we would be a people who truly get this in our community. Because there's so many people who need your love. They need to be loved the way that you love. God, I pray against this curtain in the name of Jesus because all it tells is it tells me that there's still empty seats over there. And that ain't right. I don't want to pastor a big church. I want to pastor a church who loves so deeply and so purely and so amazingly that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. We say, welcome home. We're glad you're here. And we're going to put up with your garbage. Not because it's okay, but because we get it. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do what only He can, and He can change your heart and your mind and become more like Christ so all those annoying and frustrating things go away, and we just continue to build and grow and continue to build and grow and reach more people. Because time's running out. There's going to come a moment where it's too late. Jesus, John said that none of us have seen you. There will come a day where everyone on planet Earth sees you. And Paul writes that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I pray that that would happen now before that happens because then it's too late. I pray that we would live with that sense of urgency because no one in this room is guaranteed tomorrow, including me. But thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for your deep love and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song called How He Loves Us, and I hope that you understand that this is my prayer for you. Let's join in singing this together. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.